All right, voice. So good to see everybody here today. Thank you for coming so much. Worst part of the job is breaking up the 30-second question time. Oh, I hate it. I hate it. Most exciting thing for me, I think, is practical. Just set up and tear down right after service. Instead of tearing down, starting next week, we can stay and hang out. That's what I'm most excited about. Whether it's prayer, conversation, lunch, coffee, whatever, that's, man, I'm so excited for that. You don't have to, we don't have to rush out. My name's Eric. If I haven't met you yet, I am uh, one of the elders here. Please don't ever call me bishop or whatever Taka said. Uh, I've been a part of the church, uh, just a privilege to be a part of the church since um, the early days, before even launch. And I'm just proud to be a, a part of a church, like be a part of a church that is like us, where uh, the pastor says turd on stage and... People are just creatively solving problems, and people are just willing to come wherever we're meeting today. So thank you. Whether you're watching and connecting online or here in person, whether it's your first Sunday, thank you. We're excited for voice. Man, it's, it's, uh, it's going to be good. Let's say a quick prayer, and we'll get into it. Lord, we just thank you so much. It's such a privilege to be able to, to talk to you. It's such a privilege to be able to serve you in this way. It's, it's a privilege, God, to just do the things that you would call us to. God, we are made valuable because of your son. Today, would those of us who need to hear from you, Holy Spirit, those of us who need to connect with you, those of us who are desperate for you, God, would you please show up for them in a special way today? In Jesus' name, amen. Have you ever had an awkward first date? Think about it. Bring that memory back to your mind. You now know how it felt the first time that I met Taka and Natalie. <laughs> we got wind. We just moved back from the area, and we were trying to find a church, and we, we went to a few. And then a friend of a friend told us about this church plant that was starting in Tustin. And so I, I honestly don't even remember how we connected, phoned, whatever. We connected, and they invited me to come and, like, have, like, this kind of first meeting. Like, hey, who are you? What's your story? And so, yeah, we ended up, uh, I ended up meeting them at this restaurant, like, the Japanese fusion place. I don't remember the name of it. But, yeah, Mizu. And I, I, I was thinking it was just, like, coffee, and the whole family was going to be there. It was actually their date night. And then, like, this random stranger shows up and is like, hey, guys, like, and it was, yeah, anyway. Uh, but we survived it, and we went to, you know, the next date, and now we're friends, and we're part of the church. But what was so cool about that first meeting was before I could hear any message, before I can attend any service, we weren't doing that yet, what I heard from them was the vision for the church, the vision for the church. And maybe you've heard a little bit of this uh, as well, and maybe you haven't connected that that's what this is. The vision for voice that they told me then, that's still true today, was to be a voice of hope for our community. A, a community of people that live by faith, that are different. They live by faith. A community of people that are irrationally generous. And a community of people known for service. I loved the, the vision. It's, it's their language. It's what we say all the time. To be a church that listens so that God can speak to us and through us. A church that is known for loving our neighbors. Right? And I, I heard the, vigi the vision. And again, there wasn't an opportunity to like 
see any church stuff, but the vision for me in that moment was enough. It was enough just to hear the vision. And maybe you have a similar story where you've heard the vision of voice and you wanted in. That's what today is all about. That's what today is all about. If you're just joining us or if you missed last week, this is the second week of our series called Picture This. And this series is refocusing us on God's vision for the church. God's vision for the church. Now, why are we doing this? Well, because, a couple things. Everything starts with a vision. Have you ever had a vision for like a new product or the way a room can be decorated or something like that? It always starts with a vision, right? Like you draw it on a napkin or you have an idea or you take a picture or you get inspired. Or those of you who write music, it starts with this new idea, this new vision for what a melody could be or what a sound could, could sound like or what it could feel like or a new business idea or, or, or everything starts with a vision. Everything starts with a vision. And now we find ourselves in another voice church in another season of transition, in another season of change. And this is our last week before we move to a more permanent space, and I'm so excited for that. If you have ever set up and tear down, even once, will you just raise your hand real quick? If you've ever, okay, let's give a round of applause for everybody who's raised their hand. I'm so glad that we don't have to do that next week. (laughs) We're in a season of big change. And in a season where big change is kind of built in, a season where big change is already happening, it's also a great time to make small change, small changes, right? It's changes in the, it's in the atmosphere. And so small changes seem to come alongside that. But as a church, I I think that's a good thing. But I also want us to be careful to take a close look at who we are becoming and go back to the original vision. So much has happened since that first day, three and a half years ago, global pandemic, 12 locations, and it's a good time to take a series and say, picture this, let's imagine, let's reimagine, let's rediscover God's vision for the church and our pastor's vision that God has given them. So, first things first, we don't get to set the vision of the church. We receive the vision from God for the church. Right, And so what's great about that is there is a book in Scripture called Acts where God has already kind of distributed, already, already stated his vision for the church. So it's not that voice is taking on a new vision. It's that voice is doing it in a unique way, in a way that's fit for our community, in a way and a voice that, uh, that's uh, uh, applicable and relevant for our culture. We need to be careful that our lives and our values and lifestyles, they connect all the way back 2,000 years ago to the early church. That's what I'm going for today. That's what we're hoping uh, to do today is to connect, to be careful to connect the vision of the early church to the vision of voice today. We need to make sure our lives look like the lives of the early church. All right. So if you read through Acts, you'll see a church that's constantly in transition. You will see a church that's constantly in transition. They don't have a building. Doesn't mean we shouldn't have one. But they don't have one. And they are constantly in transition. There's lots of stuff that happens. Right away, right after uh, you start reading Acts in the first chapter, you'll see that the original 12 disciples, one of those disciples loses his way, betrays Jesus, 
doesn't survive to the next chapter of the story. We know him as Judas. And so Acts 1 picks up, and they decide to replace Judas. We'll put it on the screen, and I'll read it. I want you to catch on to how these people deal with transition. Acts 1, 23 through 26 says, So they nominated two men, Joseph, called Barsabbas, also known as Justice, and Matthias, or Matthias. Then they all prayed, O Lord, you know every heart. Show us which of these men you have chosen as an apostle to replace Judas in this ministry. For he has deserted us and gone where he belongs. Then they cast lots, and Matthias was selected to become an apostle with the other 11. Now, I don't know about casting lots. Think of, like, rolling dice. And maybe this is before the Holy Spirit comes, and the way they make decisions isn't fully developed yet as a church. But what we do see is even in the midst of this crazy, chaotic time, and I don't know if casting lots is the best way to place leaders in the church, but we see a community who prays. We see a community who prays. A couple chapters later, Acts 4, 29 through 31, I'll just read through it again. The story picks up when the disciples are experiencing persecution, like real persecution. They are afraid for their lives. People are uh, being disappeared. And Luke records the prayer of the disciples. Picks up Acts 4, 29. It says, and now, O Lord, hear their threats and give us, this is the disciples praying, give us, your servants, great boldness in preaching your word. Stretch out your hand with healing power. May miraculous signs and wonders be done through the name of your Holy Spirit, Jesus. And after this prayer, the meeting place shook and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit. And then they preached the word of God with boldness. And we see again a people who pray. One more story, last one, Acts 12. I'm going to read this. It's a little bit longer. This story is worth being read. It's worth having in your mind. Acts 12. About that time, King Herod Agrippa began to persecute some believers in the church. He had the apostle James, John's brother, killed with a sword. When Herod saw how much this pleased the Jewish people, he also arrested Peter. This took place during the Passover celebration, which... Then he imprisoned him, placing him under the guard of four squads of four soldiers each. Herod intended to bring Peter out for public trial after the Passover. But while Peter was in prison, the church prayed very earnestly for him. The night before Peter was to be placed on trial, he was asleep. Fastened with two chains between two soldiers, the soldiers are chained to him. Others stood guard at the prison gate. Verse 7. Suddenly there was a bright light in the cell, and an angel of the Lord stood before Peter. The angel struck him on the side to awaken him and said, Quick, get up. And the chains fell off his wrists. Then the angel told him, Get dressed, put on your sandals. And he did. Now put on your coat and follow me, the angel ordered. So Peter left the cell, followed the angel. But all the time, he thought it was a vision. He didn't realize it was actually happening. They passed the first and the second guard posts and came to the iron gate leading to the city. And this opened for them all by itself. So they passed through and started walking down the street. And then the angel suddenly left him. Peter finally came to his senses. It's really true, he said. The Lord has sent his angel and saved me from Herod and from what the Jewish leaders had planned to do with me. And yet again we see the church is portrayed as a people who, what? Pray. 
See, I used to read Acts. I worked in uh, church ministry for a long time. And I used to read Acts. And I would read Acts for like a strategy. Like Acts 1-8, to be witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea. And, and I believe that's there. But I feel like I re read this book over and over and over, looking for strategy, looking for strategy. And maybe this week I felt for the first time I have completely missed the obvious. Jesus did give them a commission. And he did give them instructions. But the strategy was prayer. He didn't give them like a 10-page booklet and everybody had their assignments. He said, pray. Be a people who prays. Up on the screen, you'll read this. God's vision for the early church was to be a people who pray. And I love this. Pastor Taka says this a lot. A people who, who see or saw prayer as a first response, not a last resort. How are you doing with that today? Are you somebody who would be described as using prayer as a first response and not just a last resort? I needed some work with this this week, and I am still in process. How are you doing with that this morning? I was urged as I was reading and writing the sermon, I think I wrote five versions of this <laughs> message today, uh, this week, leading up to today. And one of the things that stayed true in all of kind of the iterations of this is, is this question, what if Peter, this is the guy who like walked out of the cell, what if Peter walked in to our church this morning, just had a seat, and he wouldn't recognize like our songs and our language, and you know, it would be a different culture and different time. But I'm kind of burdened with this question of would he recognize me as someone who's part of the church that he started? Would he recognize us as a community that does the same stuff, has the same lifestyle, the same values as the early church? Maybe not what we do on a Sunday and how we do it, but are we recognizable as a people who pray? Where are we at with that this morning, voice? See, I'm so convinced of this, <clears throat> that we are not Christians just because we do Christian things. We didn't just, uh, Jesus didn't just take a set of behaviors and say, do these things, you're good. Because he doesn't want robots. He wants relationship. We're not just Christians because we do Christian things. We are Christians because the Holy Spirit can direct us. Do you believe that? See, the Holy Spirit's place in our life is, to, is supposed to have the kind of authority to prompt us to say things to prompt us to do things, prompt us not to do things, say things. We are not just Christians because we do these Christian things. We're Christians because God can tell us what to do. The next thing I was convinced of this week is that God doesn't need us to save the world. He doesn't need us. He doesn't need me. He can do just fine without us. But when we get saved, we don't poof, magically lift up into heaven he leaves us here for a reason. He leaves us here for a reason. So if we're Christians because the Holy Spirit can direct us, Jesus has saved us, and we're here for a reason, well, what is the reason? And I believe with all my heart that the reason is to be a people who pray. Why? Because prayer doesn't change God, voice. Prayer changes the person praying. Prayer changes the prayer. We are part of what God is doing on the planet. Now, why would that be true? Well, because people who pray stay in step with the Spirit. 
Have you ever noticed that? People who pray stay in step with the Spirit. I really felt like, I hear this all the time, I really felt like God just impressed on my heart and mind that I should fill in the blank. Well, that's somebody who spends time in prayer. People who pray continually find themselves in the right place at the right time. Have you ever experienced that? Ever heard a story like that? People who pray grow in spiritual maturity. People who pray are generous. People who pray are on their way to looking and sounding and acting more and more like Jesus. Voice, the original vision for our church was to be a people who pray. A people who pray. Now, let's take a second, take a step back. Back to basics. What is prayer? What is prayer? Well, simply put, prayer is speaking and listening to God. Speaking and listening to God. Those of you who uh, have friends and, and spend a lot of time in community, you know what I mean when I say, have you ever talked to the person that doesn't spend a lot of time listening in the conversation? I strive to not be the person who does a lot of talking, especially in regards to my prayer life with God. I literally will set timers. Like, I have to not talk for, you know, five minutes. I, I, prayer for me has been such a, a, a good thing because I've spent time listening to God, listening to God. So prayer is both speaking and listening. And I love this definition. It's not just something you do. It's someone you're with. Prayer isn't just this thing that you have this like perfect set up little space and time. It's you can pray while you're driving. You can pray while you're even talking to somebody. You could be in prayer in your mind and your heart at all times. Prayer is speaking and listening to God. It's someone you're with. When I was on my awkward first date with the Aguchis, they said uh, something that night that stuck out to me, and I, it's still in my head for, for today. They, and they still say this. They, they said that night, as kind of a pitch to get us and my family, uh, you know, on board with the church. They said, we are looking for people who help carry the burden of the church. And look, thinking back at that, I thought, man, that is a really bad sales pitch. <laughs> you're here, you're looking for people to carry the burden of the church, Right. And I'm not throwing anybody under the bus, because I was this person uh, once upon a time too, but someone who has never had a real experience with God, who has really felt his love, who has really experienced his grace and forgiveness, his peace, who hasn't really discovered his purpose for their lives, will hear, like, we're looking for people to carry the burden of the church. They'll hear this, and they'll think, I'm out. Because our culture approaches church very differently than the culture of the day, 2,000 years ago in Acts. I think sometimes people here, we're looking for people to carry the burden of the church, and that's, that's, that's it for them because they're thinking it's all about what they could receive from the church. It's all about what they can come and show up and get. They approach church like a consumer, and now the pastors are telling me, it's all about what I can contribute. Why? Because we're a people who pray. See, the, the attitude, that, that type of attitude of saying, like, I don't carry the burden of the church, that is not what we see in Acts. That's not what we see in Acts. What we see is a people who pray. And in the midst of that prayer, chaos is happening. People are literally losing homes, walking away from careers, 
dying, getting locked up in prison, being estranged from families, having to move overnight. And what we see in Acts 4 is a people experiencing that persecution, and they're praying for boldness to do it more and to do it better. What? It's, it's like they have this attitude. The, the best way I can read it is to say, like, this is so worth it. Even though all of this mess is happening and I'm here and I'm praying for boldness and God is filling me up with the Holy Spirit and it's happening more and more and more, they're saying, guys, this is so worth it. This is so worth it. And this is our church, folks. This is who we are. It's like they were saying that when Jesus said in Matthew eleven twenty nine, we'll put it on the screen. It's like they're saying Jesus was right when he said, take my yoke upon you. Let me teach you because I am humble and gentle at heart and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy to bear and the burden I give you is light. A people who prays. I could tell you a story and maybe you've heard it before, where Ariel and I got, uh, my wife Ariel and I got separated in Africa in Kampala uh, during an election day. And we were on different motorcycles and we got split up in, in the crowd. And we were the only people of our ethnicity around and we didn't have cell phones and there was no cops to call and, and how I learned how to pray that day. And then in the midst of a bus depot with literally hundreds of entrances, we ended up at the same one at the same time. I could tell you uh, a story where uh, I felt like God called me to, to uh, pursue teaching mid, mid-life and change careers. And two months after I graduated, after <laughs> changing everything, COVID happened and schools weren't open. And then my friend got a call that a Bible position was opening and thought of me and called me, and now I'm in a fantastic role that didn't even exist online. It was only word of mouth. I could tell you stories of how uh, just a few days ago we were challenged to be generous, and uh, the finances were getting tight, and my wife won an award at work, and the exact amount of money that we needed came in overnight. And those stories are valid and big, and that's kind of like what we read in Acts. But for every big story, there's a thousand small ones. There's a thousand ways that God wants to speak to you and move you and urge you and, and, and pull you back that are just going to happen between you and him. And we believe that this is, what, this is part of the vision of the church for everybody who calls voice home. We can tell you stories of how through prayer God has put it on somebody's heart to just help their neighbor with a meal. Through prayer, this person decided to get sober. Through prayer, two people reconciled after years spent apart. Or was invited to serve at church and prayerfully they said yes and now they have really good friends at church. Or another person stepped out of their comfort zone and started a Bible study at work or shared about their faith. And this is the vision of the church. See, I, need, I think we need to get away from thinking that, uh, like in our culture today, I know I hear it a lot, and I've even said it a lot, is that we strive for balance. We strive for balance. So we want like God in our life, and we have like family and work, and it's all uh, 
you know, individualized and compartmentalized, and we're, we're, we're searching for balance. And so we put God over here in his little space, and then church, and then everything goes in its space. But when I read Acts, I don't see people searching for balance. I see people going all in instead. See, I don't think that scenario exists if you're going to call Jesus Lord. He gets to be in charge. In fact, I think Jesus literally means that. Like he's talking about balance or talking about lordship. When he's talking about prayer in Matthew 7, he says, keep on praying, keep on asking, keep seeking, keep praying. The next verse he says, and not everybody who calls me Lord will be saved, but those who do the will of my Father. It's not just about saying the prayer, it's about being directed by the Spirit. It's about obeying the words of God. Voice, part of our culture, part of our vision is to have, be a community who prays that has God at the center of our lives. If he's not on the throne, it's not going to work out. It's just not how it works. He wants to communicate with you every single day. He desires to be a part of your life, mental, physical, everything, every single day. So then the next question is how? Voice, for the next seven days, I'm challenging anybody who calls Voice home, whether you, this is your first Sunday or you've been here since uh, the beginning, to take the next seven days and, and set aside time to pray for Voice through this time of transition. Set aside some time, five, ten, whatever minutes, uh, repurpose a commute. Uh, say no to that thing this week, whatever it takes. Set aside some time every day for the next seven days to pray for voice during this time of transition. We're actually going to do the first day uh, together here as a church in just a minute as we transition now uh, to communion in just a, just a moment. But let's close with this. Picture this. A community of people who are dedicated to daily connection to daily listening, to daily communicating with God, I wonder what it would look like. Imagine or picture this, a community of people where the kingdom of God is present. So that means like no gossip exists in our community. Like the multi-ethnic community that we have here today, which is special, where there's no, any form of dissension or division. What if in our community we have unity in the midst of diversity. Imagine or picture this, a community of people that don't hold grudges, who confront each other in love and make amends, where grudges don't exist. Imagine a community where everybody shared the load of the burden of the church, the burden to tell people about Jesus, to love our neighbors. It's not just about setting up and tearing down. It's about the vision of the church, to be a people who prays. Now, as we close, a couple things I felt like uh, God wanted me to say today that didn't really fit anywhere. So here they are. Number one, don't expect to relax into our next situation as a church. See, because I, I found myself getting it. I was reading through Acts, and I found myself saying, yes, no setup and tear down. And I found myself pulling away like, yes, I get like more for me or less that I have to give or whatever. I just felt like all of a sudden I was getting grabby. And Acts, reading through the, the first half of Acts this week, I realized that whenever God transitions you, I think the burden increases. 
or deepens or sharpens. I don't think our load or our call or our vision as a church is going to lessen. We don't, we, don't, we don't get there and relax. Anybody who's bought a house knows exactly what I'm talking about. You don't walk into a fixer-upper and then relax. And so what we need, what we're asking for, voice, is to be a people who prays. And it's not a people that just let their leaders pray. We are not a church if we just let our leaders pray. We are a church if every person who calls voice home believes it's their job to pray for us, to pray for ourselves. We are called to be a people that pray, not just a people who let their leaders pray. I'd like to ask the worship band to come up. And we are actually going to uh, close with our first time of prayer as a church. And then at the end of that, we'll do communion. So you have these little elements on your seat. You can go ahead and grab those and get those ready. I'm going to lead us through the Lord's Prayer with some space to, to pray in between that. And then uh, we will we'll sing our last song. So go ahead and get, get those communion elements ready. In Matthew 6... Jesus teaches his disciples to pray, and that's what we're going to start with today. He says this, pray like this. All right, church, here we go. First, first day, prayer challenge. Pastor Natalie is going to post on social uh, every day of this week with some, some uh, key verses that may help you out, and feel free to follow along on that. But today's day one. So let's be in an attitude of prayer, and this will feel a little clumsy, but hey, church, this is what we do. So take a minute with eyes open, eyes closed. It's up to you. We're not going to ask you to speak out loud or stand up or raise your hand. This is just between you and God. Jesus says, pray like this, Matthew 6. He says, our Father in heaven, may your name be kept holy. And I feel like today we need to be reminded of who we are talking to. The creator, the sustainer, the one who looked at you and said, you are worth my son's life. Let's take 30 seconds and maybe even just sit in awe of who we are talking to. Go ahead. Next, Jesus says, may your kingdom come May your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And I love, right away in this prayer, Jesus says, it's about what you want. It's not about what I want. So take a few seconds and ask God his will for your life today. Jesus goes on, he says, give us today the food we need and forgive us our sins as we have forgiven those who sin against us. If those of us today are struggling with daily bread, what we need for today, let us ask God to provide for our needs. needs of those around us that we can meet. God, would you show us how 
and where and when to supply those needs. He says, forgive our sins as we have forgiven those who sin against us. And it's two parts. This is a chance to, for, to, to confess and ask God to forgive. It's also a chance to take an inventory. Are there any grudges in my life? Are there any things that we haven't been willing to forgive? God, would you help us release those debts as you have so powerfully released ours? And then lastly, Jesus says, don't let us yield to temptation. We're call, our call is to be holy. Our call is to be like you. Help us, God, to find ways to not put ourselves in that situation, to give us the spiritual strength to say yes, to say no, whatever is appropriate in the moment. God, would you lead us away from temptation and rescue us from the evil one? And church, in this attitude of prayer, I ask you, when you are ready, at your own pace, at your own time, maybe with the person sitting next to you or as an individual, that's fine, go ahead and take the elements when you're ready. Last thing I'll say, when the night that Jesus was betrayed, he broke the bread, he took the bread and broke it, and he said, this is a symbol of my body given for you. As you take this, be reminded that Jesus takes the punishment for us. So in your own time, go ahead and take the bread. And then after that, he took the cup and he blessed it. And he said, this, this wine, in our case, juice, represents this new covenant, this new relationship that anybody who wants to be saved, anybody who wants connection with God, anybody who wants new life can have it. All they have to do is ask. They can share at this table in the cup with, with Christ. Go ahead and at your own time, take it. The band's going to play this last song, and I love the lyrics. Pay attention to the first verse, the first few lines that we sing. And may it be a response back to him this morning. In Jesus' name, amen.